All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, talking to you from New York City on this, the 29th day of June 2021. And we do want to thank all of you for listening to the show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel, and also encourage you to send along whatever comments you have about the show to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. We also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show, Novo Resources, Sitka Gold Corp., Eloro Resources, Irving Resources, Hannon Metals, Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp., NV Gold Corp., and Firefox Gold. I've titled today's show, Monetary Climate Change and Gold. Peter Stofferly and Dr. Quentin Henning return as my guests this week. The Fourth Turning, a book written in 1997, predicted that during the mid-2000s, major social, economic, and political changes would occur in the United States. The 2008 financial crisis was followed by the election of Barack Obama. In my view, those events have indeed marked the start of America's Fourth Turning. Fourth Turnings always bring major social and political change. And so we now see BLM and Antifa clamor for Marxist rule, and many, if not most, Democrats and the intelligence community seem to be in sympathy with those aspirations. Lenin said that the best way to destroy the capitalist system is through currency debasement, because by so doing, governments can confiscate wealth secretly and unobserved from an important part of its citizenry. Whether these forces destroy all that 1776 bequeathed to Americans, only our creator knows for sure. But if currency debasement is the best way to destroy capitalism, America is well on its way toward that end. From the 2021 edition of In Gold We Trust, co-author Ronald Soferly will explain in the second half of today's show why he believes the U.S. has reached a tipping point where inflationary forces have begun to dominate. But the one thing that remains unchanged and secure as long as this world endures is the purchasing power of gold. Thus, the need to own it and shares in the companies that produce it, especially in times like these. That premise is, of course, tested from time to time in the short run, as it is now with gold's recent decline of more than $200 an ounce. Michael Oliver is not with us today, so I thought I would take a look at some of his most recent comments on gold just to see and reassure myself that there's nothing too much to worry about. On his June 22nd trend sheet report, Michael stated unequivocally, and I quote, 
the annual momentum trend is positive and that it is likely that the intermediate downtrend correction low of March of this year will hold, end of quote. I took a look at the March lows and the cash market it was 1687. At about 2.30 this afternoon, the gold price was comfortably above that level at 1764. Michael pointed out that this recent decline of more than $200 per ounce came on the heels of the Fed chairman's recent Federal Reserve talking points. Then on uh, Michael's weekend 360-degree report published this past weekend, he noted that while the quarterly momentum charts of the stock market are distinct, indistinct jeopardy of breaking their action to the downside from a momentum perspective, the two alternatives to equities, namely gold and treasuries, have shifted in the opposite direction. In other words, heading high from a momentum point of view. Michael pointed to a weekly closing number for gold of 1864, $1,864 during the next quarter as a secondary positive for a likely next move higher now that the downtrend momentum channel has been broken to the upside. While this 200-plus gold price decline has been painful for those of us with large gold positions, I see it as a marvelous buying opportunity for solid gold and silver mining companies and exciting exploration stocks like SK Mining, which is on to a gold and silver-rich VMS discovery that appears to be a carbon copy of one of the highest grade mines in Canadian history, that being the great SK Creek mine just north of where SK Mining is beginning its 2021 exploration season. There are many other companies uh, as well uh, that are sponsors of this show and many others that I cover in my newsletter that are certainly uh, exciting stories, evolving exploration success stories uh, that are doing, that are making uh, their investors a lot of money. And I, I certainly hope that uh, some of you would consider subscribing to my letter uh, because th this is a very exciting time. And quite frankly, I think when we see declines like this, uh, it's a good time to consider entering uh, the gold share and exploration markets. Uh, we do have to go to a commercial break now, but uh, don't go away because when we come back, Dr. Quentin Henning will be with me to talk exactly about SK Mining and the very exciting story that is unfolding there. They will, uh, they have now started their 2021 drill program, and so I expect over the next several months we're going to have a lot of exciting news coming from SK Mining. We do go to break now, but don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Quentin Henning. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. 
SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQB is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Dr. Quentin Henning with me once again. Uh, today, he will give us uh, an update on this year's exploration program for SK Mining. It's a very large, very large-scale uh, program, project, I should say, and uh, very exciting news coming on the heels of last year's results. Uh, they are on to a, a, a precious metals-rich VMS project. Uh, and uh, again, I'm very excited about it as a shareholder and as a, a, it's a company I cover in my newsletter as well. SK Mining trades in Canada under the symbol ESK. You buy it in the U.S. as I have under ESKYF. Um, my latest reading that I have is 162.2 million shares at $2.45, $2.45 Canadian earlier today when I checked it, giving a market cap just a whisker under $400 million in Canadian money. Thanks for joining me again, Quentin. Always a pleasure, Jay. Always great to have you with us um, with, uh, with your success stories that you are uh, building quite a portfolio of, I must say. And this is a company that you are uh, an advisor, a technical advisor to. Uh, last year was the maiden drill program for SK Mining on its massive 100% owned, I think it's something like 52,000 hectares. Um, it's a very large holding for sure. Uh, and it's really um, you came up with some very exciting results last year on this VMS project. Uh, talk to us a little bit for the sake of those that may not be familiar with the story. What did you discover last year, and how does that set things up for this year? Yeah, look, uh, last year was uh, you know, in spite of COVID, was very exciting. We we generated some phenomenal drill results late in the year or I should say we drilled the holes late in the year. We got the assays back. Uh, I think the first batch came back in December, and the second batch was earlier this year. Um, <clears throat> but 18 of 20 holes hit uh, significant gold mineralization. We'll call it, you know, likely potentially economic mineralization. And and they're very, very uh, close to, say, the, the numbers that would be put out by Skeena, for example, which is drilling similar system uh, mm-hmm. to next door. All right, now, uh, the two targets that we drilled last year, TB and Jeff, are a fair ways from Skeena. They're about 13 kilometers to the southeast, and uh, they are within our 526-square-kilometer, 100% controlled 
uh, land package. Um, <clears throat> to put it in context, what are these? Well, they're they're basically precious metal-rich VMS deposits. Okay, these are uh, massive sulfide deposits. You know, black smoker-type deposits that formed on the seafloor many eons ago, and have been uh, abducted, basically pushed up onto the the craton, onto the continent. And you know now we, we can explore these things. Uh, what was on the seafloor is now you know sitting high in the mountain in uh, British Columbia. Uh, but they are absolutely wonderful deposits, and they tend to occur in clusters. If you look at VMS around the world, almost all VMS deposits occur in districts or camps in which there's uh, multiple uh, deposits. They usually s- display a a spectrum in size. You know, from anywhere from a few hundred thousand tons up to uh, in some cases, uh, a hundred million tons or more of sulfide mineralization. Now, SK Creek. Everybody you know who's in mining, you know, knows something about SK Creek. It was the highest grade gold deposit on planet Earth while in operation for about 15 years or so. It had a head grade, 42 grams per ton uh, of gold, but it also had 2.1 kilograms of silver per ton. Hmm. All right, and Eskate Creek kind of sits by itself. Everybody scratched their head and wondered, well, where on earth could the rest of, you know, is there anything else out there? Is it just a truly a one-off? Well, uh, I think the discoveries that we're making on Eskate Mining's ground uh, is now showing that this this thing is um, likely going to you know, just uh, deliver multiple high-grade intercepts. So we're we're ecstatic. You know, the the Jeff results that we announced in February, we had a, a long interval. I think it was thirty odd meters of of over ten gram per ton gold equivalent in that one hole. And you know, what are we doing? We're going right back in and drilling in that TB Jeff area right now. Like we're the the first target we have is to really be uh, aggressive at extending out those systems. Mm-hmm. And um, so, can you talk about this year's drill program? How much uh, how much drilling are you going to do? What's the cost? Uh, when when I, I guess you're getting started now. You're setting up your your drill program now. If it, if the drills haven't started to turn, they will shortly. Uh, what talk to us about the objectives of this year's program and uh, what you hope to achieve there? Certainly. Look, uh, we're going to drill minimum thirty thousand meters. We got four diamond core rigs. Uh, two of those rigs are going to be dedicated to each of the TB and Jeff targets. The other two rig will do systematic uh, testing of uh, numerous other targets. Okay, so we have, uh, it's not just about stepping out, really. It's about making additional discovery. We did put out a news release yesterday that announced the start of drilling, so the program is underway. Uh, full team is on site. We have been doing a geophysical survey as well. It's called SkyTEM, SkyTEM. Sky basically an uh, electromagnetic magnetic survey that looks at property of rock in the ground and in particular it's looking for areas of conductive versus resistive rock what we can see with that survey is the stratigraphy uh, and we know that there's certain host stratigraphy you know, layers of rock we'll call it that host this VMS mineralization so we we aim to use the SkyTem data to give us a, a good handle on additional targets that we can drill this season. Uh, we, we have just an all-out uh, program this year, a very robust uh, drill program, 30,000-meter minimum, uh, and I think by the end of this season we'll see TV and Jeff probably grow dramatically in size, perhaps even connect, but then we'll also have likely have uh, additional discoveries. 
How close are the TV and Jeff uh, discoveries? Uh, they're a little over uh, two kilometers apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you put if if they were to say connect, uh, you know, given the, their size, each respective size, I would say there's at least three kilometers of mineralized area in in that. But but it gets better. Like if you look at the SkyTem to the north and to the south from TV Jeff, the system clearly uh, continues. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be sulfide, likely be sulfide discovery. Uh, you know, along at least a seven kilometer corridor that we've done survey. Now, the new survey is going to extend that area further. Okay, so we're we're taking the survey clear back up to the SK mine area, oh. and then we're taking it to the south as well, down into the area where we we produced some uh, just phenomenal stream sediment anomalies uh, late last year. So mm-hmm. we're going to see. You know, we'll basically be able to see the whole enchilada here soon. Yeah, and and I'm looking at at the uh, companies. Uh, presentation and uh you know sk creek i think you said about 13 kilometers if i if i remember what you said a moment ago uh from the jeff and the tv uh but then there's the sib and lulu and just looking at your presentation there's um some historic drill results there i think on the on in that area 14.4 grams of gold 1060 grams of silver over 14.3 meters 10.8 10.8 grams of gold and 766 grams of silver, 24.8 meters, 2.13 grams of gold, uh, 4 grams of silver over 25 meters. So, I mean, that's, I think, up in the Sib and Lulu areas, which is uh, between the Jeff and TV and just south, but south of, I suppose, that maybe, what, 6, 7 kilometers south of SK Creek? That's right. In fact, that uh, that area that you're talking about, Sib Lulu, is on the... It's on the same strike, the same same rock units that SK Creek is on the west side of the SK Anticline. So, an anticline is simply a term for an upfolded uh, sequence of rock. You know, think of a wrinkle in a carpet. You know, it form a nice linear, you know, upwarp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, there's two sides to the upwarp. Okay, so the west side, which hosts the SK Creek mine, but also uh, that mineralization continues down to our Sib Lulu target. Uh, that is one side of the anticline. And yes, Skeena has drilled basically right down to our fence line. So we know uh, <laughs> that we have uh, we have very good potential to, to bridge that gap, you know, basically bridge Sib Lulu in with the rest of the Skeena uh, system. But mm-hmm. then we, you know, the, the TB Jeff Jay is on the east side of the anticline. So uh-huh. we are... Like we are focusing a lot of our attention to the east side of the anticline, given these very robust results that we have. I think that the east side of the anticline is perhaps just as perspective, if not more perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think here soon we'll be able to talk more about that once all this SkyTen data comes back. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just wondering: Are you going to be poking some holes in the Siblulu though, though this year? Yeah, any, yeah, any chance of? Yep, we'll be, that's one of uh, a long list of targets that we have. Uh, we are doing additional geophysics to really flesh that out. Like that SkyTem we did last year did not cover, fully cover the Siblulu area. So we're we're actually collecting that data right now to help us better uh, target our drill program at that location. But it is one of many. I want to emphasize that we have many many targets that we're going to test this year. Indeed, you do, and I'm looking at. Uh page 24 in the presentation, and I'm seeing it, it's showing these uh, district scale uh, structural geology. It shows all these anticline um, structures, and it goes all the way to the southern end of the property where you have things like Tet and 
C10 and CFJ and a whole host of different targets that you have uh, in, in sight. So I, I guess, though, the, the main focus of most of the, uh, of the drilling will, go, will be up at Jeff and TV, though, in an attempt to, uh, to expand that. Is, that. is that right? I would say, you know, TV and Jeff, definitely important for us. But uh, like I said, two rigs, two rigs are going to be testing other targets. And the area that you mentioned there, the one in the south along yeah. the SK anticline at the extreme southern end of the property, uh-huh. That uh, delivered some phenomenal stream sediment results last year. So that we know there's a, a really good, really strong gold, arsenic, antimony, mercury, uh, et cetera, like classic SK type bleg anomaly, uh, mm. what we call bleg anomaly in that area. And it's big. Uh, I think there's at least six kilometers of strike that is the, the drainages are shedding very high levels of those elements. Um, but like you said a minute ago, there's other anticlines. We actually see three anticlines mm-hmm. that cross the property. They all trend more or less north-south. Mm-hmm. And the the three anticlines, it's kind of like having, like I said earlier, like three wrinkles in the carpet, okay, side by side. <laughs> so we have basically three corridors, and on each wrinkle, we've got an east and a west uh, limb to explore. So uh-huh. uh, one of the really intriguing areas that popped out last year in our stream sediment sampling was on the eastern anticline, we actually found a very high stream sediment, uh, sediments anomaly at the north end of that anticline in a position, we'll say, that you know, mirrors what you see at the SK anticline further west. Okay, So mm-hmm. we see a, just a screaming uh, bleg anomaly at the north end of the eastern anticline. Mm-hmm. That one really intrigues us, and that's part of the reason we decided to be aggressive with our SkyTem program is we want to see we wanted to see if the signature there's a you know a, a clear you know target uh, geophysical target underneath that bleg anomaly and uh, you know I think that that's going to be very exciting once our once we get our SkyTem out in the market I think you know once we've collected it and processed the whole thing and, and be able to tell the story I think people will <laughs> very quickly see that uh, this bigger picture is very concrete. I'll say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 will deliver, likely deliver multiple discoveries. I got to be, you know, somewhat cautious, but you know, look, it's a matter of drilling. We have to drill these things, but I think we'll see a lot of really good targets. In short, that we're going to hit hard this year, and again, by the end of this year, we should have multiple discoveries across the board. Oh, forward-looking statement for sure, but nonetheless, uh, based on some early geological observations by yourself and your team uh, there at the company. Uh, how many rigs then will be uh, used, will be, will you have employed there this year? Yeah, you said? yeah four rigs, four dr- drills operating, and we can drill, well, we've started drilling about three or four days ago. Uh, we will drill up through mid to late October, uh, about four months, basically. And um, again, if the drills uh, perform you know, like what, like we hope, then we should get at least 7,500 meters per drill, but we might be able to get more. Like, you know, I could see potentially drilling 35 to 40,000 meters with a bit of bit of luck, especially with weather. We need good luck with weather. Yeah. How, how long can you go there generally? What do you expect normally? Yeah, look, uh, last year, I think the last day of drilling was around October 16th or something. Um, it really depends, uh, on mm-hmm. the, you know, sometimes it can start early, sometimes late. It's been a very warm year up there this year. Uh, it seems like all of the West coast has been yeah. 
just absolutely bizarrely warm. Yeah. Uh, you know, even even in SK, I think it was warmer there yesterday than it was here in Denver. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's uh, in a way that's good news. Uh, global warming notwithstanding. Um, but just how much money is the company well funded to to finance this year's drill program? Yes, it is. We we raised money. We we were aggressive late last year, and I wanted to see that happen because I wanted this drill program to happen. I didn't want to be last in the queue. I wanted to be first. So we raised uh, about thirteen or so million uh, last November and added to the treasury we had. Uh, brought us to fifteen. We we still have through some warrant exercises recently. I think we still have about fifteen million in the bank. So we're well funded. All right. Well, and and uh, turnaround time then. Once you get the drilling, you, I mean that's one of the issues. Uh, with just a few seconds left, and maybe a quick comment on that. Yeah. Look, uh, we don't know what to expect from labs this year. Obviously, there's a lot of companies with a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. But I hope over the past six or seven months that the labs has really, you know, started to ramp up and, and it, in anticipation of this uh, season's expiration. Uh, I don't know what to expect quite yet, but, you know, we're going to do our best to make sure that we get a uh, reasonably fast turnaround. All right. Very good. We'll have to leave it go at that. Thank you so much, Quentin, for being with us again, explaining this very exciting program. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon about this one and some others that I know Uh, you are working on. So thanks again for being with us. Well, that is it uh, for this segment, folks, but don't go away because right uh, after the commercial break, Ron Sofo will be with us to discuss his annual In Gold We Trust report and uh, more specifically, the monetary climate change and gold um, without a doubt impact the lives of everyone listening to this show. Uh, we'll, uh, We'll see what's going on. Ronald, definitely thinks that we're heading into some significant inflationary times. Uh, So we'll uh, wait and see what he has to say about that right after the break. So don't go away. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Lion One Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Ronald Peter Stofo. Uh, he is a chartered market technician, 
and a certified financial technician. In 2006, he began writing reports on gold. His six benchmark reports called In Gold We Trust drew international coverage on CNBC, Bloomberg, and Wall Street Journal, The Economist, The Financial Times. And for all of us who follow gold markets and follow gold in the markets closely and realize the importance of gold as money, we do look forward to this annual In Gold We Trust report. Uh, which Richard co-authors with Mark Valak. So I'm really happy to welcome uh, Ronald Peter Stoffel with me. Thank you for joining me again, Ronald. Thanks for inviting me, Jay. Good to talk to you again. It's really good to talk to you, and it's really good to see uh, the attention that this annual report that uh, that, that uh, you and your colleague Mark are putting together. Uh, first of all, I should tell our listeners that you uh, that your annual report in Gold We Trust is available, I believe, online. Uh, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people can just simply go to ingoldwetrust.report. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's available for free uh, um, in English, in German, and also in Mandarin in a big version that's 350 pages, but also in a compact version, which is, you know, 20, 20 pages, just the highlights of the report. Yes, and it's excellent. Both of them are excellent, I must say. Uh, you've pointed out in the past that currencies are based on trust. Um, what gives currencies trust? Why do people trust currencies? I mean, the dollar has been trusted now since, well, since 1971 when there seems to be no backing other than perhaps a geopolitical military backing with a petrol dollar. Some people refer to the dollar as a petrol dollar. But what gives a currency trust? And where, with respect to trust, where do you think the world's reserve currency now stands? Well, we write in the report that trust comes from repeatedly fulfilling expectations. And I think that gold uh, really over the last centuries has repeatedly fulfilled um, expectations uh, in in good money and in sound money. So, so actually, I, I, I think you know this this topic of trust was was the leitmotif of um, the 2019 uh, in gold with trust report, and. The interesting thing about it is that the trust is basically is essential for for us, um, you know, in in all different spheres of our life. When we go to a restaurant, um, we trust um, the chef. We we trust the pilot when we when we uh, jump on a plane. Uh, we trust. Uh, 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 in business, of course, our, our business partners and so on. But the interesting thing when it comes to trust, that it is highly asymmetrical. So you need decades to build up the trust and then just within seconds, this trust can be lost. And, and I think that actually w- when I look at markets, uh, over the last couple of months, um, it seems that People are, are kind of losing confidence in, in, in paper money and they want to um, allocate their capital in real assets. You know, uh, it's we, we're seeing it in commodities, we're seeing it in real estate, we're seeing it in, 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 in precious metals, obviously in the art market, also in cryptocurrencies to some degree. And this is a bit like, like Ludwig von Mises uh, described in his, when he wrote about the cracker boom in, in, in his uh, fabulous book, uh, Human Action. Um, so it's, it's years of trust, but as you say, it can dissipate very rapidly. And yeah, you, I, maybe just get your take on Bitcoin now that you, meant it, that you mentioned it or cryptocurrencies in general. 
uh, where do you think they're going? Do you think they will play a part uh, sometime in the future on a global? Well, they, I guess they already are playing uh, a part because a lot of very large monetary interests and hedge funds and the like are invested in uh, in Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies. But what are your thoughts about it? Uh, about cryptocurrencies as a uh, playing a major role in the future going forward in in the monetary system. Well, I have to say that there is um, um, it is an extremely emotional topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay, we know that gold is a very emotional topic, but but when it comes to Bitcoin, well, that's that's even more more uh, uh, emotional, and and many people think that they they have to have an opinion on 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 gold and on Bitcoin, even though sometimes it's it's not really a well educated and 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 researched. Uh, opinion mm-hmm. that that they have, you know. When it comes to Bitcoin, I have to say that I that I started buying Bitcoins very early on, um, not enough as my wife keeps telling me, um, but but I, I followed it because I, I think it's 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 really from a um, from an intellectual point of view, it's 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 really interesting and and, and uh, you know, bit the the white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto came out basically as a as a reply to the great financial crisis, and uh, I, I think that um, whoever invented uh, Bitcoin, he clearly knew about the flaws of our monetary system. He understood the Austrian school of economics. He understood how gold works, and 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 therefore, I think the the biggest similarity between gold and Bitcoin is obviously the stock to flow ratio. So um, we are. We like what's going on in this space. Of course, it's a it's an extremely volatile uh, a ride. We, we've got two investment funds that combine um, traditional uh, gold, uh, physical gold stored in Liechtenstein with digital gold uh, in a, in a cold storage. And we use we actually use this volatility for us. It's it's not an enemy. It's 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 actually a friend. So we're riding options in these highly volatile markets, which gives you enormous premiums. So so I think that's a very prudent way to play it. Um, Jay, to answer your question, will Bitcoin be around in in five or ten years? I don't know. But if it if it should be around, then it would probably be significantly higher. So why not have like a one or two percent portfolio allocation uh, in Bitcoin and in, in, in the crypto space in general? Um, I just can tell you that I'm meeting very, very smart, ambitious, and hardworking um, people, developer, uh, entrepreneurs in this space, and and I think you know lots of it. Of course, is smells like a bubble. It feels like a bubble. There's lots of um, rubbish business models out there, but some will really. Um, Change the way uh, our system works, and especially you know in a decentralized finance space. I think for for traditional banks, that's that's clearly a big competitor coming up. So um, at one point, I would say money is just technology, and 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 therefore, if we regard Bitcoin as as technology, then I think um, uh, it, it has it has a significant upside. And I always compare it to, you know, you can go from point A to point B uh, in a, uh, a big, comfortable, um, safe um, SUV. But you can also 
you know, get a, um, uh, a really fast motorcycle. Uh, of course, that's more volatile and it's, it's, it's much more riskier, but it can also be more fun. But why not have both? So, so our view is, is, is pretty much agnostic. I, I think that, that Bitcoin isn't the enemy of, 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 of gold, uh, and vice versa. I think it's, it's really the fiat money system. And, and I think that, that, uh, you want to hedge against, uh, all those, um, uh, um, imbalances and bubbles that, that, that were created over the last couple of years. And I think that hard money is obviously the, the best hedge against it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, an open mind then with regard to these cryptocurrencies because you really, nobody really knows uh, the future like that. But I want to get to your title, the title of your, this, this year's annual report in Gold We Trust, Monetary Climate Change. Exactly what do you mean by monetary climate change? Well, of course, it's it's a bit of a let's say provocative title, um, uh, but 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 for us, it's just important because nowadays everybody is talking about climate change and 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 sustainability and ESG and SRI and um, uh, you know I I I bought a six pack of beers uh, uh, yesterday because you, we've got the Euro Cup coming up with. Uh, now, now in now now in Europe, and, and that's always a good excuse for for having a couple of beers with your friends. <laughs> sure. Uh, and it says, yeah, this beer is climate neutral. So it's really uh, in in all areas of our life nowadays, um, we, we we're seeing uh, references to 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 ESG, to SRI, and all those things. But from our point of view. Um, you know, nobody is is talking about the, the 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 climate change that we are seeing in our uh, in our monetary system. Nobody is talking about the non-sustainability of our monetary system, which is probably even more important than um, than than the other climate change. So, what we describe in in this year's report is. Um, the developments that, that we saw um, happening over the last couple of quarters, especially, you know, with the big tipping point being the COVID crisis. Um, so the first first point, uh, obviously, is uh, austerity is out. Um, nobody cares about fiscal conservatism anymore. The, the frugal Swabian housewife, I mean, that's, uh, that's what we had since the Greek crisis, especially um um yeah favored by 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 the germans this is over for now i think fiscal policy is really really taking over but then we are seeing also second point the merging of monetary and fiscal policy and if you follow the speeches by central bankers over the last couple of years they always said well We've done our job. Now it's really fiscal policy that has to take over. And this is what hap- what's happening now. And then we're seeing quite a lot of new tasks for monetary policy. So, so if you listen to Madame Lagarde or, or Jay Powell, you know, so, sometimes I feel like they, 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 they are working at, at, at Greenpeace or, um, they're social workers because it, it seems that they're, really focusing on, on different topics nowadays. Um, and I think, I, I mean, that's, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just observing it, but 
I, I don't know if, if really the mandates of our central banks were changed and, and I don't think that the mandate of a central bank is to fight climate change or, or fight inequality. So, so this is, this is clearly changed. And then we're seeing, um, um, central bank digital currencies being introduced. Um, which is the complete opposite, basically, of decentralized cryptocurrencies like, like, like Bitcoin. But this is another sign that this digitized, uh, fiat currency, uh, system will be probably one of the next steps of financial repression. And I think another important point is this new ice age between the East and the West. Uh, so, so, so those are, five five topics where we say that they're really crucial to understand and why is it so important i think if you have a look especially at, at fiscal policy and the consequences for inflation um, it is obvious that fiscal policy has a more direct and a much faster impact on the economy and on the inflation compared to um, monetary policy like quantitative easing where you basically try to stimulate the economy via the banking system. So those are the, the, the main points that we're describing. But um, yeah, as you've said, it's it's 350 pages. So uh, that's only a very, very short summary of, mm -hmm. of all the topics in the report. I think you've just answered the, the next question I was going to bring up. Uh, if I remember last year, you were probably more of a deflationist, or at least you had this this view of the dangers of deflation. Clearly, it seems, uh, and for reasons I think you just explained, you're more concerned now about inflation, uh, consumer inflation. I think we've always had, you and I would probably agree, that we've had massive amounts of inflation in asset prices and stock yes. markets and real estate and so forth, but we haven't seen it at the consumer level. Now, if we have helicopter money that is being showered upon the populace, uh, massive millions of people getting checks in the mail or checks in their bank account, um, it, it certainly would have that uh, sort of Keynesian effect of demand, uh, stimulating demand more than the, just the monetary policy. So I guess... I guess that's uh, that's your answer. That's that's why you're more concerned now about inflation. It seems clear to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I think we all know, as a student of of, of monetary history, that that our debt-based uh, monetary system has to avoid deflation, whatever it takes. So, so it is an inflationary system. However. Um, deflationary forces were were quite strong, and they they are still still around. I mean. Uh -huh. Technology, of course, uh, but also uh, the debt uh, debt levels. They're also um, uh, a big deflationary factor. But I think now the inflationary factors are just um, stronger than the deflationary ones. Now, of course, the the Fed keeps telling us, and I once said in an interview, I think they're listening to Guns and Roses at the Federal Reserve because they they just keep telling us all we need is just a little patience, um, but you know, I, I think it's not transitory and, and, and we, we shouldn't be too patient because uh, it is really a structural change that we are seeing when it comes to inflation and how inflation is created. Uh, a couple of, 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 of thoughts on that. Um, the biggest drivers probably are, well, velocity has collapsed over the last couple of months. Now with economies 
opening up again, I see velocity stabilizing and, and it will start to rise uh, and will meet an enormous amount of liquidity that, that was created over the last couple of quarters. Then we're seeing that Asian countries are now starting to export inflation rather than deflation. Hmm. Um, from our point of view, now we're seeing a bounce in the, in the US dollar, but structurally, we see a weaker US dollar. Then we see um, demographics are slowly turning inflationary. That's that's a very, very interesting uh, chapter in, in, in our report. We're seeing increasing geopolitical tensions between the US and, and China and, and US and, and Russia. So we could really be at the beginning of a, of a, of a second Cold War. We're seeing, and this is going to be a very, very important topic over the next couple of months, rising wages. In, in many, many industries, uh, we are now seeing a real shortage of, of, of labor, especially for, for skilled labor. We're seeing rising minimum wages. Um, we're seeing rising unit labor costs. So a return of wage inflation might really be on the horizon. And then lastly, I think we should not forget um, – I think people focus too much on the Federal Reserve. We should focus more on the White House. I think that big government is back, if we like it or not. So we should listen much more to, to, to politicians, what they've got in mind with fiscal policy. Um, I think they, they, they like the job, that they, they like the fact that uh, now everybody wants to see big government coming back and, you know, more stimulus. And we're getting used to it. And, and we know that, the, that there is a, a, a tremendous uh, declining marginal utility of, of those programs. So we always need more and more. And it's like a, like a sugar rush. So if you drink like two Red Bulls, of course, you will see an effect. Yeah? And you will see this effect quickly. But it fades off and you won't feel better afterwards. So... So, so I think those are the, the main inflationary drivers. And it's interesting because over the last couple of years, they always told, told us, well, we need more inflation. Now it is here. But now they keep telling us, ah, oh, no, it's only transitory. Yeah, it's right. the excuse to be, to, to, to continue to be dovish. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's a pre pretty interesting, uh, uh, constellation that we're now seeing, I would say. Yeah, I have to ask you about the mining sector, this gold and silver mining sector, for example. Uh, those industries, those those mining companies, have generally done well during deflationary times when their costs, when the when the price of, of their metal of gold and silver is rising faster than their costs. Now, what happens now, Ronald? If we're you know, I, I believe you're right. I think this is not transitory. That we are in a, a rising inflationary environment for the reasons you just talked about. But do you have a sense of what that might mean for the mining industry, for gold mining companies? My sense is that if the costs are going up, you're probably going to be looking at higher grades potentially, and generally speaking, low energy costs. Are, but labor costs are going up too. Uh, we've seen that in various ways, uh, various areas in the mining sector, I know. But I would just like to hear your comments on how you think a rising inflationary environment might impact uh, the gold and silver mining s uh, space. Yeah, well, well, of course. I mean, on on the cost side, it would have an impact. Uh, you'll see it with with fuel, obviously, which is uh, you know, oil is, is is one of the main drivers for on the cost side. We're seeing it with 
with explosives, uh, probably also with with labor and so on. However, I mean, we crunched the numbers and 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 analyzed what has the the the, the biggest inflation beta. So what works in an inflationary environment? And it starts with uh, commodities, then gold, and then the mining space. So 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 if you think that that inflation is uh, becoming a topic, then I think we should do very, very well with, uh, with, with mining stocks. And, you know, just, just for the sake of comparison, the total market cap of the, of the companies in the, uh, HUY index, the gold box index, um, which, uh, includes the 20 largest unhatched precious metals producers. It's, it's now at the moment, it's, it's, it's 180 billion, which is equivalent to, I think, 0.5% of the, Total market cap of the S and P. Um, just the valuation of Apple um, is is currently ten times the total market cap of the of the HUY. So, so, so I think you know um, that the mining space had the most profitable year in history last year. Uh, we saw gold prices were rising and uh, all in sustaining cash costs were basically flat. Um, this year should be at least as good as last year. Um, and, and, you know, I had like 120 company meetings last year. This year already had 50 meetings with, with company representatives. And I can tell you, those companies are doing a tremendous job at the moment. Um, they're, they're, you know, they are producing enormous amounts of free cash flow. Um, they, they really care about their shareholders. Um, uh, they, they're doing share buybacks. They're increasing their dividends. We're seeing lots of positive developments in the, in the, uh, junior space. So, so, so for me, really, it's, um, it's terrific. I'm, I'm seeing lots of great opportunities and, uh, and, 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 and sometimes I really feel like, um, like, like as a, as a value investor in the, uh, in the mining space. And, and, and I think, you know, uh, it's been a, it's been a tough space to invest in over the last couple of decades. But now I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. And we don't need a, a gold price at, at, 2,500 for those companies to make really serious money. Um, they are now, some of them are real cash flow machines at the moment and, and, and still, uh, I don't see really uh, a lot of interest coming in from, from market generalists. That's right. So do you, do you think the mining companies, the big guys, have done a better job of con, uh, uh, of controlling costs than they have in the past? I know in the past when you have a bull market in gold, a lot of times the big guys go out and overpay too much for the juniors that are discovering the gold or the silver or whatever the metal is. And the, do, do you think that they're maybe better managed now, the major companies, than they were at some times in the past? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think they are better managed. Uh, I think they also, they improve their, their communication. I, th from what I sense, uh, uh, we're seeing institutional players, uh, like endowment funds, but also pension funds coming in. I don't really see the big, um, uh, retail money coming in and, 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 and I think that the, the, the big move by generalist investors, uh, it hasn't really happened. Last year, when when uh, when Berkshire Hathaway announced that they were buying a stake in in Barrick Gold, which was only a very short uh, love affair, I think that that created lots of interest from from many investors. Um, but I think you know we just 
just should take this opportunity and and at some point I think markets will realize that there's lots of value in this space um, not only on an absolute basis but especially on a relative basis so um, um, and and then if you combine that with a um, with a good outlook for 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 gold and silver which we obviously have then I think that's uh, that's pretty much of a sweet spot that we're seeing just a couple of minutes left yet, Ronald. I'd like to ask you to maybe a general comment on, you know, you point out that history rhymes. It's never exactly the same. What period of history is, are we currently rhyming with? Well, that's that's a great question, Jay. Um, perhaps it's 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 a bit like the 1960s and the uh, the the 1970s, perhaps beginning of the 1970s. I mean, I I, I wasn't alive back then, but but from from what I've from what I've read, perhaps it's, it's it's a bit similar to you know uh, 1963 to 1970 in the U.S. We had this guns versus butter debate. Um, um, guns were referring to to the Vietnam War and butter to 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 Lyndon B. Johnson's uh, Great Society programs. And it, in the end, it wasn't uh, guns or butter; it was guns and butter. <laughs> and, and now it seems a bit similar. I mean, we're we're fighting wars against uh, uh, a health crisis, against climate change, and still uh, against uh, terrorism. And uh, then, of course, there's uh, you know the the big enemy from from China approaching. But then, on the other hand, uh, you you know, I think there's. Um, all those governments' handouts, uh, I, I think they, um, they they will continue. So it it is definitely guns and butter mm-hmm. now as well, and and we know what happened in the 1970s. So uh, you know it, it it won't turn out exactly the same way. But I think and and you know taking a step back and 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 not really focusing on the daily noise. You know, the debt piles were already pretty high before the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. Now they're even higher and they're significantly higher. So just in the US, the, 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 the debt per capita, it rose 25% last year. Yeah. Um, just in one year, which means, um, that, that, uh, the flip side of that is that, um, a big move, uh, in interest rates, is probably impossible. So, so if there should be rate hikes, I think it will be a very, very short campaign um, because we simply cannot afford it anymore. So, from my point of view, we will and we will have to see negative real rates over the next couple of years, uh, and that should really be the foundation for this bull market in gold. And you know, Jay, if if you would tell me, well, I see real rates at plus. Three, four, five percent. Then yeah. I would say, well, then you have to sell all your gold. Mm-hmm. Just, just get rid of it. But I just don't see it. I really don't see it, and I, I, I've got no idea how that should happen. And that, that's, that's basically the foundation for, for, for our positive stance on gold. Now that inflation is really, really bad, everybody says, well, it's, it's not here, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's only transitory, and it will be, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. Well, you know, Ronald, I am old enough to have remembered. I was a very young man in the 1970s. In fact, I remember very well 1971, August 15th, reading in the New York Times that Mr. Nixon was temporarily removing gold uh, from the monetary system. 
but uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and I must agree. Uh, I think I see a lot of similarities with that. The whole idea that it was transitory, there's no reason to worry about inflation, and yet the Federal Reserve chairman of that time, Arthur Burns and G. William Miller, were pumping money into the system like there was no tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, I, I think you. I think that's a good analogy. I, I know there are people that disagree with that, but uh, I do want to thank you, Ronald. We, we're out of time. Uh, I, I think it's just excellent. People that really should read this, if they're serious investors, they need to understand uh, the reason why gold is going up. And really, gold is going up because the currency is going down. I think you would probably agree with that. That we really. Um, it's really a story of replacement of currency and a loss of confidence that you talked about, trust. Um, we, we still, most people still trust the dollar, for sure, and it's still yes. the world's reserve currency, but as you say, that can change very, very rapidly. So, and you can be married to your wife for 50 years, um, and we're celebrating, you know, 50 years of, of the end of Bretton Woods, uh, but then you come home from work a little bit earlier and, and you meet your wife with your neighbor in bed, so <laughs> that, that trust is gone. <laughs> it, it can happen quickly. Well, I, I hope it doesn't happen to you or to me, but in any event, I, I, I get the message. It does happen, that's for sure. And we know that monetary systems go to the dustbin of history, as they say. So, Ronald, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us, uh, and I really want to suggest to our listeners that they go to ingoldwetrust.report and read this, either the abbreviated one or the longer one. It's very much worth investing the time to do so. So thank you very much, Ronald, for being with us again. Thank you very much, Shay. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that is all the time we have for this week. Next week, my guests will be Michael Pembroke. He's a former New South Wales Supreme Court judge and author of a new book titled America in Retreat, The Decline of U.S. Leadership. Another Australian, Michael Hudson of Hannon Resources, will join me to discuss that company's massive silver-copper discovery in Peru. And Michael Oliver will be here as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. NV Gold Corporation, trading under NVX on the TSX and NVGLF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on uncovering the next multi-million ounce gold deposit in Nevada with an aggressive exploration season ahead in 2021, a tight share structure, strong management ownership, key strategic investors, a globally recognized technical team, report coverage from industry gold experts, and a strong treasury. Visit NV Gold Corp. Dot com to learn more on this exciting story.